Well, our text uh, for this evening's message is from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 22, and reading verses 39 to 46. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. That is God's holy and errant word, and may he bring his blessing to us as we hear it read and proclaimed. Your will be done. We move along in the Lord's Prayer to understand how we ourselves are praying. And when it comes to this very particular petition, I think it's oftentimes uh, an inflection in our thoughts, uh, not necessarily vocalized in our prayers, that we have this in mind when we ask and we seek God for help and ministry and care to our lives. We're often thinking in the background, obviously, God, this is all in accordance with your will. Let your will be done. But that prayer for God's will to be done embraces a whole lot more. I can honestly say that we as parents, now mind you I see only three children, although we all are children to some degree and most of you are in the adult years, parents often dream of children obeying and doing their will, not the children's will, the parents' will, with expediency and happiness, don't we? I always reflect upon this one sign that I saw whenever we were invited over for dinner to this particular home. They had this sign above their, their dining room table uh, uh, on the wall, and it said, How are we to obey? And it was for their children. And it went like this, We are to obey right away and all the way and with a happy heart. And, and I always thought, Wow, that, that's right, that's true. Uh, how does God want us to obey his will? And, and we might well say that to all of us, right away and all the way and with a happy heart. But that is challenging. Not just because we have our own will conflicting with God's will, but because God's will can sometimes be very difficult, can't it? God all the more is looking to us to do his will. We come to that third petition that makes us, I think, even more aware of the nature of the content of our prayers. This whole purpose of the Lord's prayer is to help us to pray 
for things and needs and blessings and whatnot that are agreeable to the Lord. But the thing is, we don't always know what is agreeable to the Lord. And, and learning how to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is, I, I dare to say, a, a dangerous prayer in the sense that we must be subject to the will of God. That is hard to do. I was thinking this past week, I uh, read a devotion on Daniel's three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and, and how they stood firmly, not knowing what the will of the Father was, but being subject to it anyway. And you, you think on that in Daniel 3, when they were being challenged to bow the knee to that great golden idol that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself to exalt himself and to require of all people the paying of homage to that idol that represented him, to worship him as God. And Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah refused to. And so they were doomed to the fiery furnace and they were going to be thrown into it. And, and the, you read in, in uh, Daniel chapter 3 when Nebuchadnezzar challenges them and says, Who do you think is going to be able to deliver you from my hands? These three answered and said, We have no need to answer you in this matter. Now that's quite a way to speak to the most powerful man on the earth at that time. And what they were basically saying is, is, we don't have to respond to you. We are obeying our God. If that is the case, here the, here's what they said in Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not... You see, they knew and understood the ability of God without really knowing the will of God in this. They could have easily, in God's will, have burned and died and been a martyr to the glory of God. And they said, but if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And what they were saying is, we will do the will of God that we know has been revealed to us. And that will of God that has been revealed to us, even in the threat of death and a very dangerous, hard death, we will obey God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. We will love Him. And if you want to throw us in that furnace, our God can still deliver us. But if he doesn't, so be it. We are doing the will of God. You see the challenge there and the hardship that we have. This third petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, it kind of begins that transition from God's glory to our needs. 
Praying your will be done draws us, I think, first and foremost into the greater awareness of our weaknesses and needs of Christ and His Spirit to walk in accordance with God's will, following what we know to be the revealed will of God while the will of God is accomplished in our lives. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. As the first thing in, in looking at this petition is, is to acknowledge God's will. That in our prayers, we are acknowledging God's will. Both that hidden will that He is set to accomplish, but also the revealed will that He calls us to walk in. That is the double sense to this petition. One thing that we know concerning God's will, as we have already confessed with the shorter catechism, God's will, His divine, eternal decree and counsel that is being done in all of the earth, God's will is always being done. God's will and purposes are always being accomplished. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, God is in heaven and He does whatever He pleases. And so when we consider even the hard things that have happened in the world in this past couple weeks, the hurricanes that have devastated a few provinces and a state, the war going on in Ukraine, the conflicts going on in Ethiopia, the hardships uh, of financial losses and, and inflation that are happening in the Western world. All of those things fall under that umbrella of God's will being done. Him from heaven exercising His sovereignty and authority over all of the earth. So God's will is being done every day. And it is being done in our lives. Whenever we wonder in, in what God is doing for us, when we experience those trials in life that just seem to overwhelm us, and we're questioning, is this part of God's will? Well, what is the answer? Yes, <laughs> it is. We may not like it, and it may not be a particularly joyful time in our, but in our lives. But, but it is God's will unfolding. Things that we have not the control to uh, avert from. So God's will is being done. And, and part of that is reflected in this prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But more rightly, I believe... It is reflective of the heart's desire of God's people to be obedient to God's will in every circumstance. You look at the catechism question that is on the back of your song sheet uh, that's in your chairs. The larger catechism, 192. What do we pray in the third petition? 
And you can see the answer reflects upon obeying and doing God's will with a willing heart. In the third petition, which is, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, acknowledging that by nature we and all men are not only utterly unable and unwilling to know and to do the will of God, but prone to rebel against His word, to repine and murmur against His providence, and wholly inclined to do the will of the flesh and of the devil, we pray that God would by His Spirit take away from ourselves and others all blindness, weakness, indisposedness, and perverseness of heart, and by His grace make us able and willing to know, do, and submit to His will in all things with the like humility, cheerfulness, faithfulness, diligence, zeal, sincerity, and constancy as the angels do in heaven. It can come down and boil to a simple phrase, God commands and we obey. But that's hard. It's hard because of the nature of sin that yet remains within us. It's hard because of trials and tribulations that meet us in life. It's hard because of the world that we live in and the lack of control that we have in many, many matters of life itself. And this is where acknowledging God's will comes into play. Not His divine decrees that we do not comprehend or necessarily see, but know they are unfolding in the earth. But in that will of God where He calls us to follow His righteousness, to obey His commandments, and to seek His glory in everything. And when we acknowledge Your will be done, What we are, as this catechism uh, declares, acknowledging the propensity of our hearts to not do God's will. Because as sinners, we don't want to do God's will. And we don't do God's will perfectly, purposefully, or willingly. So, we need to hear this. We need to pray this for ourselves and for others. Let me ask you, if I were to uh, posit this question, what is God's will? What a, what a huge question, hey? Eh? What is God's will? Well, there are certain things that we know are God's will, like Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. They knew it was God's will for them to not bow down to and worship idols and images or to give to those idols and images any sort of adoration or worship that was due to God alone. They knew the will of God. I think that helps us to understand at least two key components of what is God's will. First of all, to worship God alone. In accordance with that first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. One of the things we realize, and what probably is the most damning uh, sin of every single person, 
is the breaking of that commandment. The uh, manufacturing of idols in our own lives and hearts and following them. It's what Paul says in Romans 1, or what God's Word declares to us in Romans 1, that uh, we do not uh, willingly worship and serve the Creator, rather we worship and serve the creature, and often ourselves. But in redemption, what do we see? What do we hear the Lord Jesus saying? God's will. God the Father is seeking those who will worship Him. And who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. God wants us to worship Him. To have our life in accordance with the truth of His Word and in accordance with a a willing spirit to come and to seek His glory. And that challenges us. This is God's will. We, We hear this prayer, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What are the angels in heaven doing right now? extolling the glories of our God. What are we striving to do here and now this evening? The same thing. The worship of our God. But can you say, can you say definitively that your whole life is given to the true, unadulterated, holy and righteous worship of God? You see why this thus becomes a prayer that we need to to set before our God and put ourselves into the context of this prayer. Your will be done. Lord, make me a worshiper of you in all things. That's how great this prayer becomes. Because we recognize, even as the catechism question uh, points out how Uh, unable and unwilling we are to know and do this will of God. But this is perhaps the highest will of God for us. It's what we have been created for as men and women in the image of God. To glorify Him in all of our life. That's the purpose from which we have fallen And that is perhaps the greatest reason why God, in love, but dare I say in necessity, sent His Son to come and through the Lord Jesus Christ to seek worshipers who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it is only through Christ that we are enabled to that end. And so this becomes one of our highest prayers, that your will be done. Lord, let my life be worship and glory to you. That the second aspect of God's will in acknowledging it in this prayer is that obedience to God's law, to obey God fully. And recognizing, even as God's word says, his law is holy and his commandment is holy, just and good. And it is for us to know the will of God uh, in obeying the Ten Commandments. His moral law, that righteousness and that righteous path 
by which God calls us to walk in. Now, it, it is true that many see the Ten Commandments as tedious, burdensome, quite impossible in its demands uh, for absolute perfect obedience. But one thing we cannot deny, as God's Word declares in Romans 2, that law of God, that moral law of God, including those first four commandments, as well as the latter six, they have all been written upon the conscience of every man, woman, and child. That they are without excuse to say, I did not know that there was a God to be worshipped. I did not know that there was a Creator before whom I should bow the knee and obey and follow His will. They suppress that truth in unrighteousness. That when we are redeemed and when the Lord Jesus comes into our lives to not only uh, bring that forgiveness of sin to us and, and that, that grace and glory of eternal life in, in uh, removing us from that state of death and, and bringing us into the kingdom of God. Not only does He do that, He has renewed and revived our hearts to know God's law and to desire to walk in accordance with it. When we talk about God's will being done, it is an engagement into God's holy law to obey it more and more fully in our lives. Even our Lord Jesus coming in the flesh, what was one of the great will and purposes God had set before him to accomplish. He said, I did not come to destroy the law, but what? To fulfill it. To fulfill it. Why? Because there was no man on earth ever who would fulfill the law of God in all its righteousness, in all its justness, in all its holiness, in all its goodness. But Christ said, he did, and he was able to say at the end of his life, Father, I have glorified you on the earth. I have done your will. And there was a particular eye uh, toward the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And it is God's will and purpose that that law be fulfilled in every one of us. You've heard it before, but it begs to be said again that those which are meeting us in this life as commandments, those ten laws of God are like a hedge that guards and keeps us on that narrow path so that when somebody says, well, how do you know what God's will is? We can say, look to the law. God's will is that we have no other gods, that we do not worship and bow down to idols, that we do not take His name in vain, that we remember this day and keep it holy, that we honor our parents and honor one another, and that we do not commit murder, and that we do not commit adultery and steal, bear false witness, that we do not covet. God commands our life. This is His will for us in that way of righteousness and truth. 
to the end that one day all of these commandments will become promises realized in us in all their fullness and we will have no other gods. We will uphold the glory of God's name and we will have no wicked thoughts or desires. That that will all be done and we will in absolute perfection Walk in that law of God. What a day of glory that will be. And his will moves even more into what his purposes are with redemption. God's will is for everyone. Though they don't, but this is God's will in this sense. It's the the commanding will of God. That you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Believing in Jesus as the eternal son of God who came in the flesh to bring salvation from God to sinners. Now we know in our reformed doctrine we know that there is in this an eye to those who are the elect of God. But that call of the gospel goes to the world. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. This is the will of God. He is not a God who takes delight in the death of sinners, but that they should turn from their sins. Turn, turn, for why should you die? That's the pleading of God. So we know that is the will of God. And how does that affect us in our prayers? God, make me a willing service to that end that your will be accomplished in the salvation of sinners. Let me go out and be your voice to obey that call to be compelled by Christ to make the joyful sound Jesus saves. We're praying your will be done. As we know, the angels in heaven Rejoice at every lost sinner who is found. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in this, we are praying for sinners to believe in Christ, to be saved. And so you see, there's an acknowledgement of God's will that we know that scripture declares that we are to be Praying for. And as well, we know God's will is our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. God's desire is to complete His salvation in us. And our sanctification is that pathway to that end of God's will. And so, He has promised... And isn't that the the blessing that we receive often at the end of our services of worship? That that the Lord is purposed to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. We want that, don't we? We want to be in that state of glory and, and perfection before our God. Well, my friends, God's will to that end is your sanctification. And He is purposed to sanctify you. And the way of sanctification is the way of affliction. 
It is the way of trial. It is the way of suffering. It is the way of humbly receiving those tribulations of life where we learn to die to sin and live to righteousness. It is not an easy way. And it again impacts us when we are considering with this petition, your will be done. What we are saying is, God, I know what you are doing in my life even today. And this trial that has come my way is purpose to that end, that I be more like Jesus. Help me, O God, to submit to this will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, it's a a great prayer that begins by acknowledging God's will. The second thing that we see with this prayer, and it is drawn out of the catechism question, is that we have hindrances to God's will. You look in in, uh, about the third or fourth line of the catechism it says we are prone to rebel against his word to repine and murmur against his providence and are wholly inclined to do the will of the flesh and of the devil we have hindrances and when it comes to praying your will be done what we need to also within that is to recognize what has to be overcome in our lives the hard, hard issues of our own hearts need to be subdued by God. Even with a regenerate heart, we have that tendency to reject God's word. And to follow our own will. To do what we desire. Or even more, we have that tendency of imposing our will upon God's will because we're looking at things like providences that are unfolding in our life and we're trying to say, I can read God's will for me by the way things are happening and unfolding in my life. Do you know how foolish that is? I heard a wise man once say a long time ago that providence has to be read like Hebrews. Backwards. That you can look backward in your life and see what God has done that has brought you to where you are. But you cannot look at what is happening in your life now and say, I know what God is working for me in the future. I can tell if I should stop going this way and go this way by the difficulty of the path. Oh, can you really? (laughs) Isn't that what Pilgrim did? Isn't that what Christian did? On his way to the celestial city, he was on a hard path and he saw the smooth path and he said, oh, this one is easier. This has to be the way. And he got off the hard path and found his way into the castle of giant despair. We oftentimes have a proneness to rebel against God's word, even in small ways. Isn't that what happened as God brought the curse upon Adam. Genesis 3.17 Because you heeded the voice of your wife after I commanded you. Men, this isn't the thing where we can blame women for our troubles. But it just reveals the propensity of the heart to disobey God to satisfy the flesh. 
It's why when we are praying God's will, and you've heard this often in this series about prayer, that every day, dear Christians, every day you should be praying. Help me, Father, to trust in you with all my heart and not to lean upon my own understanding. I am acknowledging you in my prayers right now for you to lead me in the way of righteousness. It needs to be a daily prayer because of our hindrances. But also grumbling and complaining against God's Providence, or as it says there, to repine, to be filled with sorrow and despair at God's providences, as well as to murmur against them. Like Israel of old, we wrongly meet difficult providence with contempt. We don't like what God is doing in our life. Like the child uh, whose parents says to them, no, you cannot do that. And they walk away with their arms folded. You never let me get to do anything. Well, how do you figure that from not being allowed to do something that a wise overseer of your soul has sought to keep you from? But isn't that the propensity of the heart? And even as we experience that from our children in our homes, God experiences that from us the reality of our heart. And that's why God's word declares, do you want to shine as children of light? Do you want to be one who, like Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, who stood shining as light on that plain as everyone else bowed down to worship the idol of their day? And they said, no, we will obey our God. You want to shine as children of light, then you do all things without grumbling or complaining. Because you know, Philippians 2, you know that your God is at work in you. He's at work in you. His will is being worked out in your life through trials. You think about it with Paul. He had to learn that lesson, 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 7, when he says, Do you know why God gave me a thorn in the flesh? How many of you have ever thought of a person that way? Maybe that person's going through your mind right now. They're just a thorn in the flesh. Well, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and see why you have that person in your life. Because God wants to keep you humble. Not so much about them being the thorn as it is you being boastful. We don't like God working that way, do we? Is there an easier way to quench my pride? He says, no. No. That's why Paul goes on to say, I will boast in my afflictions. I will boast in my trials and my sufferings. Because then... The power of Christ is upon me and that in my weaknesses I am made strong. Father, let your will be done in my life. And our own lust and coveting 
can be fueled by Satan's temptations. We can engage ourselves in the wrong relationship. We can engage ourselves with a desire for money, a pride of discontentment, not getting what we prayed for, all of these things flowing from the coveting nature of our hearts. We become our own worst enemy against God's will. And those are our hindrances. Not accepting. You think about it, even praying for healing. I read, uh, I had something sent uh, across my path once, uh, uh, a few months ago, about Hezekiah, who prayed for healing. Uh, He didn't want to die, and he had a sickness that was unto death, and he prayed earnestly for God to heal him. And God did, and God added 15 years to his life. And what did Hezekiah do almost immediately? Pride and arrogance, he opened up his kingdom to the Babylonian princes. The boasting of his heart. You see how, how we can hinder God's will. And how we have to be guarded in that way. And to that end, we are called to pray for God's will. And here, as we look at the example of our Savior, as we close with this point, our prayer is for God's will to be done. With humility, with cheerfulness, with faithfulness, with diligence, with zeal, sincerity, and constancy. And the Lord comes knowing what is before Him. He makes this prayer. He says, look, if there is another way, please... Do not engage me in this path of suffering. But if there is no other way, let your will be done. And do we not think that God, who has tens of tens of thousands of angels, whose purpose is to minister to us, that when we humble ourselves and we pray to God, your will be done. That they will not come and minister to us as they did for the Lord? Why wouldn't they? We don't always pray your will be done. And that's, that's where we need to be praying. Lord, I don't know the end of these things. Let your will be done and come and help me to walk in strength in accordance with your will. And you may not realize it. But wow, angels coming to help. To strengthen us. With the presence and the knowledge of God. That's not superstitious, mystical Christianity. That's the reality of the Lord's life. And even when you do not know God's will for your, for your life in a certain direction. You know, we get caught up. Do I go to this university or this university? Do I buy this house or this house? Do I marry this person or this person? Actually, you shouldn't have that dilemma. You should be focused only on one person. But you hear people afterwards, how do I know I married the right person? You know, my answer is to them, because you married them. You married them. God has joined you together. It's not a question of knowing the end of our decisions, which is what we want to know when we're in the midst of trying to make them. It's a question of walking in faith and saying, God, I know not the end of this, but let your will be done and help me to humbly and cheerfully receive the end of these things. And being able to say at the end of it, God's will was done. 
How many times I, I have seen pastorally how people, whether it's marriage, whether it's a house, or whether it's a vehicle, God and, and their, first, their first action and, and, and response when they gain these things, God has so blessed me. And then two years later, I should never have done this. You know what happened? You stopped praying for God's will to be done. You want your own will to be done. And so we are praying. Father, let your will be done in my life. Help me to submit to it. Help me to joyfully accept, not with resignation, but with peace that you are working all things for good. And I know this because this is who you are as my God. Let your will be done. And even in that, are we not drawn to our Lord and Savior who on the way to the cross was able to make that same prayer, not my will, yours be done. My friends, we need this prayer. We need it every day. We need the humility to accept God's will. And that becomes the very great intent of our hearts. Not to despise the hardship that is before us, but rather to be submitting to God in acknowledgement that His will is being done. And when you are praying that, and the Spirit comes and works on your heart in engagement into that truth, His will is being done. Whatever the providence is, whether it's good, And it's easy when it's good to be able to say, thank the Lord, His good will is done. When it is hard providence, and it brings suffering and trial into your life, you will be able to look at that and acknowledge and say, it is good. It is good. Because this is God's will for me. And I am His child. He loves me. So do you see how important this prayer is? May the Lord teach us, by His example, by His word, to be truthful and receptive in our prayers. Your will be done. Let us pray.